Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Okay, look, I don't know who watches the other ups and downs and who only watches AEW ups and downs, so a quick bit of housekeeping for you. One, yes, I know I'm really burnt. Roman Reigns did it to me. Two, yes, I know I'm in some strange location. All my filming equipment has broken and I'm on the road. That's about it. But AEW did have another show and it was quite an important show because it was their fallout from Double or Nothing, which I thought was a tremendous pay-per-view. So why don't we find out whether it gets an up and why don't we find out whether it gets a down using this? The finger of power. I love to see ya. Looking forward to AEW going back on a Wednesday because it is quite intense to watch SmackDown and AEW, but let's go. Okay, I am just going to say it. I love the Young Bucks as heel. Because not only did we find that they had just beaten up Ray Phoenix prior to their match against the Death Triangle, because of course he is the third edge, but whether it's their constant updating of their Twitter bio or how they just prod the bear all the time, I find them very entertaining as bad guys. They just know how to be assholes and I find it really enjoyable. And also, they always get their comeuppance, which is also what you need when you are a wrestling villain. Because after they had walked to the ring with their entire entourage, Frankie Kazarian was back. He beat up most of their crew because as he had promised, he is not going to let them rest. And look at that too. We were like five minutes into the show and we had stories here, there and everywhere. I was just bathing in narrative and it made me smell fresh. We were then having the Bucks versus Penta and Pack, and I swear, you could put them in the squared circle and have them play chess and they would find a way to make it work. This was flipping quite literally tremendous and is getting it up. I mean, it was just one of those matches that went three, two, one, go, 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 like it was Formula One or something. And we were seeing dives and the amount of near pinfalls in the early going of this, it was exhausting and really, it was Pack and Penta, or Pap, just beating our world tag team champions up. I mean, I think at one point, Pack smashed Matt Jackson with a lariat, and then Nick Jackson stopped a tag or a pin with a moonsault, and then Matt Jackson was back with a spear of his own. We've said it before, and we'll say it again. None of this made sense. No one should be able to move this quickly. It is two plus two <laughs> equals potato. Penta did get the hot tag later on, and I started to chuckle, because again, I don't know how he does all the things he does. I mean, there was sling blades, there was a senton, there was a pump handle slam, and then Pack tagged back in, 
and he just booted Matt Jackson so many times. If Matty had just gone, oh, I don't want to carry on, I'd be like, yeah, I get it. But he didn't say that, so Pat grabbed him and he gave him a powerball. Penta then wanted to drop kick somebody right in the ball, so he did it a la Hans Molman. And there was this amazing bit where all four guys were on the ring apron. I think Penta gave Matt Jackson a package pile driver, and Nick Jackson gave Pac a suplex. Then they got in the squared circle to have a fight. But again, because Nick Jackson is a massive dick, he took his finger and he popped him in the eye. He then tried to remove Penta's mask as the Young Bucks have done before, but Penta is a smart baby face, so he had another mask on over there. And then from nowhere, Pac hit the black arrow and the near fall on this. I bit like the more I am, he must have kicked out at 2.999. Kind of sadly too, this ended after a referee distraction and I just don't know if I fancied that on this evening, but we'll talk about it later. Because from nowhere, when the referee was like, oh, what's going on? Brandon Cutler hit Pack with a camera, which allowed Nick Jackson to use the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment. And the Young Bucks, they stole another win. The thing is though, when a match is this good from start to finish, I can take it finishing with a distraction surprise roll up. Because honestly, just go and watch it and you will feel the same joy. The Bucks then jumped Pack and Penta afterwards because that's just what they do until Eddie Kingston made the save. And once again, we did have a bunch of fans in Daly's place and they reacted to this man like he was a king. He should be wearing a crown upon his head. Turns out that we had some major surprises in the pocket of Dynamite this week too, which actually shouldn't have been too shocking because recently Tony Khan during interviews has said, well, we do have a lot of these up our sleeves. One of which was Mark Henry at Double or Nothing who was being interviewed here. But two was the arrival of another former WWE superstar, also known as Andrade. And all of this did start with the world's strongest man doing an interview saying that he's only here to turn the screws because AEW is a machine that's not broken. But then from nowhere you just heard and out came Vicky Guerrero. And at first I was like, what the hell is going on? We haven't seen old Vixner for ages. Her job on this night though was to tell Mark Henry to buzz off, which must be a bad idea. But then yeah, say look who I brought with me to the show. And there was just Andrade. He didn't have any music, which was kind of weird. But the fans went from booing the hell out of Vicky to going crazy for the former NXT champ. He said he's going to become the new face of AEW. And I tell you this. If you enjoyed Andrade when he was kind of held back by red tape, just you wait and see what he can do with creative freedom. He is going to become pretty damn special. And yes, I will say I'm not entirely sure about how I feel in being paired with Vicky Guerrero. Maybe they want to do an Eddie Guerrero kind of thing. I don't know, but we can't predict this until we see it. Or we can predict it, but I don't have any predict. I'm just going to sit down and wait. We then got our second surprise of the evening, or at least for me. Because it was QT Marshall and Anthony Agogo taking on Cody Rhodes and Lee Johnson. And as you know, if you frequent the internet space, everybody just keeps rowing about this feud. I think it is absolutely fine. I think it's doing wonders for Anthony Agogo. And I will take all the things I've said before and put it here because it worked once again. Because QT and Johnson started, but when Agogo got in the ring, he demanded that Cody Rhodes faced him. And then he smashed him with a suplex and pretty quickly tagged out again. I don't know if he was trying to be a massive dick in the intentional way, but it came across in that sense. I really liked it. Johnson soon got back in there, but he was beating up, leading to another hot tag courtesy of Cody. And you know what he does here. He's really good at it. He hit Anthony Coco with the disaster kick and he locked QT Marshall in the figure four. And we know that QT taps out to that because he's done it in the past. But then from nowhere, for the second time in two matches, a go-go hit that damn frog splash. And I said it once and I'll say it twice. 
he really does deliver it very well. Cody kicked out of a diamond cutter, which was a really good spot. And then from nowhere, Aaron Solo was down here and he was just jumping around like a frog because he wanted to distract the referee. This allowed Agogo to just smack Cody right in the face. And because he was knocked out and because QT Marshall was the legal man, he leapt over Cody Rhodes and he actually beat him. This was sold as a massive deal as it should have been. And I like the Nightmare Factory. I think they're really coming into their own. So in that sense, up. The only real shame is that yes, the second match on the show had the exact same finish as the first match. Somebody comes down, distracts the referee, then something happens in the ring, and that leads to the one, two, three. I don't know why it stood out more on this evening than other evenings, but I guess here, why couldn't Anthony Agogo just to punch Cody with the ref watching? It's a tag team match in wrestling. You always have the person that's not meant to be in the ring being in the ring. And as we did do this back to back, down. I really do like this feud though, and if you don't, that is cool. But I really want to see what the end game is. The Inner Circle are out next and they clearly wanted to be the biggest good guys in the world. Because the first thing Chris Jericho said was, everybody in the crowd, look under your seats. You will find a brand new Inner Circle t-shirt, which is yours. And look, if you want to be beloved by people, give them free stuff. People really like free stuff. As we said during Double or Nothing ups and downs, as it turns out, the stadium stampede was absolutely done as some kind of rocket for Sammy Guevara, because Le Champion even then said, hey, let's hear from the hero of the hour, and he passed the microphone to Sammy. This led to him saying that the inner circle are the best, and then Santana Ortiz said that the inner circle were the best, and everybody pretty much said the inner circle is the best, apart from Jay Hagar, who challenged Wardlow to an MMA cage match in a couple of weeks. So who the hell knows what's going to happen then? Jericho finished all this off by making it very clear that the feud between these two is not over because he can't stop thinking about MJF and what he did at Blood and Guts. And this all makes sense. You had your big two stipulation matches. One of the groups won one. One of the groups won the other. Now you can segue off into single programs. And I suppose maybe you get to the point where 50% of the pinnacle win and 50% of the inner circle win. Then you can do the big blow off. And then we could go on to pastors. I will say this though, as dumb as it sounds, I kind of want Wardlow to win that MMA fight thing because it would really make me laugh. But again, yep, fine, up. The best friends were then on the big screen as they told Kenny Omega that what he had done at the pay-per-view was nothing short of cheating and that this isn't over. So does that mean we're going to get Kenny Omega versus Orange Cassidy round two? Or are we going to get Trent versus Kenny Omega? Or are we going to get Tuck versus Kenny Omega? Maybe we get Chris Statlander versus Kenny Omega. I don't know, but they made it very clear they ain't happy with the AEW World Champ. We then did cut to Kenny and Don Callis, who basically laughed this up because they thought it was all bogus. And they were more interested in Jungle Boy, who of course now does have a shot at the title. Because Kenny Omega is just the biggest doofus in the world. He was all like, oh, he's not a jungle man. He's a jungle boy. And he's a jungle gym. He's not a jungle champion. He basically just said the word jungle a lot and then put a word after it. I liked it. I also just don't get any hate that goes towards Kenny Omega. I think he really entertained it. This was a well-timed interview too because our next match was Christian Cage and Jungle Boy taking on Private Party. This was pretty good too. Uh, the boy from the jungle started this off well too until he did get cut off courtesy of Mark Quinn and Isaiah Cassidy. But that's when he got the tag for Christian who was like, hey, I'm all good experienced. I know what to do. But somebody else at ringside who was equally experienced was Matt Hardy who basically caused the distraction which caused Christian to be beaten up. And given what happened at the end of this, I think we may be doing Christian versus Matt Hardy 
which may actually be a good way to get maybe lapped WWE fans through the AEW door. Private Party then got carried away because they started to mimic Edge and Christian's old five minute pose, but they forgot back in the early 2000s that never worked because all it did was allow their opponents to get back to their feet which is exactly what Cage did here. He smashed them with DDTs and was able to get the hot tag to Jungle Boy. And then I had a massive moment because I thought we were actually going to get another distraction roll-up finish because Cassidy poked Jungle Boy right in the eye, which led to the most devastating move of all of sports entertainment. But thank flubbins, he kicked out. Instead, they went for the gin and juice, but Jungle was able to reverse that into the snare trap and he got the submission win. And this really does feel like we're about to send Jungle Boy away from the woods to the moon not a minute too soon. AW then doubled down on all this Matt Hardy and Christian stuff because Hardy hit Christian with a twist of fate onto the rampway. I'll be intrigued to see what most people think about this, but also I hope we don't forget about Christian Cage and him working his way through Team Taz. I was excited about all that. I wanted to see if he'd finally join Color Orange or say he prefers blue. Speaking of Team Taz 2, right after this, we did have Mr. Taz talking to us, but now they're more mad about Hangman Adam Page. And yeah, I do get it. What happened to Chris? Anywho, they laid down a challenge saying next week they want Hangman to pick any member from the Dark Order to take on Brian Cage and Powerhouse Will Hobbs. And if I had to make a prediction here, I would say that Team Taz loses because Brian Cage is eventually, or finally, going to say goodbye. We then kind of had another weird segment because Tony Schiavone was interviewing Sting and Darby Allen. Now Sting was absolutely brilliant here because you could just tell at double or nothing he had the time of his life. I mean he's been fighting for like five decades but he was clearly overwhelmed by the response so seeing him so made up to still be a wrestler well, it made me feel all warm and fuzzy down in my top toe. And you all know that I love Sting, but sometimes when you do love someone, it's nice to remind you. But then Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky interrupted, and their big thing was, we only lost at double or nothing because of the Stinger. So Darby, why don't you go and find someone else that's not your dad, and we'll have another tag team match. Now, I can only figure we're going to do this because we want Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky to finally get a win, but we don't want Sting to lose but it is kind of an odd way to get there. However, once again, I will wait and see. It depends who his partner is, but I will say, I bet Darby Allen and whoever he picks are defeated. We then just had the dumbest Britt Baker celebration party ever. A bunch of other wrestlers are out there too, which yes, is bonkers, because why the hell would you want to be happy for somebody else winning a championship when that's when every single wrestler is going for? But Britt Baker here was terrific because she ate everything the Inner Circle had done earlier and said, oh my gosh, under your seat, you're going to find a free voucher for a Big Mac and then went, no, you're not. And she revealed all the coupons and said, I'm going to use every single one. She was happy to share one with Tony Schiavone and Rebel though, when Nyla Rose, who was at ringside, got in the ring and just knocked the burgers out of everybody's hand. And we were meant to be like, oh no, not the burgers. So I can only presume that Nyla Rose is Britt Baker's first contender and the story is going to be, I didn't appreciate what you did with a bunch of Big Mac vouchers. So I do hope that maybe we throw something else in there to give it a little bit more edge, but Britt Baker is brilliant. I thought all of this was entertaining and you can't say fairer than that. We had an Eddie Kingston interview next where he was saying, man, I'm gonna help out Pat, Pack and Penta. They were like, we don't want your help, Eddie, because you're a little bit nuts and you steal people's shoes. But as Kingston rightfully pointed out, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So I guess while Phoenix is out and while John Moxie is out, maybe Eddie Kingston is going to be pushed into this trio. And that will be good. These three are great. Everybody loves them. It's what we should do. Following this was Red Velvet versus The Bunny. And thankfully, AEW did tell us this has been set up on AEW Dark Elevation because I missed that show this week. So for a good 30 seconds, my eyes were just like, 
What the hell is going on? My main point with it is it just had such a strange finish because the blade, who my word was just dressed like some kind of evil butcher here, he passed brass knucks to the bunny. But at that moment, Kylin King and Swole, who would come out with Red Velvet, they jumped on the apron. That distracted the referee, which also allowed Bunny to get the brass knucks. But thankfully, Red Velvet was too quick and she got out of the way of it and she hit the Just Desserts finish and she got the one, two, three. So I just didn't get it. And Red Velvet has all the potential in the world, but having an essentially another distraction finish, even though it wasn't another distraction finish, and seeing people that we've seen on Dynamite in the past come back, but now be aligned with Red Velvet, even though I'm not 100% sure why they were aligned with Red Velvet, but it was just quite hard to emotionally invest in this. That's why it's got to get it down. John Silver then gave a TNT title shot to Evil Uno. And this was fabulous for two reasons. One, it was John Silver's birthday, but he is a selfless guy, so he passed it across. But also, two, are you telling me I'm going to get Miro versus Evil Uno? This is the kind of things I need in my life. Miro then fired back saying that his wife is really hot, and that is what he said, but also that he will kill Evil Uno, and he may well do. That's what he sets out to try and achieve. But I hope now, for the foreseeable future, Miro just fights a bunch of random people on the Dynamite roster, such as, I don't know, Serpentico. I would love to see Miro versus Serpentico. Then, my friends, good old AEW, because our main event of Dynamite was Dustin Rhodes versus Nick Comoroto in a bull rope match. And I never thought in a million years that would be our last match on the show, but it does all the good in the world for Nick, and it's getting it up. This was just a war from the off, and once again made you look at Dustin Rhodes and go, well, you're just defying age, and you're just defying physics, because you move better now in your 50s than you did 20 years ago. And Dustin also went out of his way to ensure that Nick Comoroto looked like a million bucks, this was the way you'd take a rookie and slowly make him into a star. Dustin used the rope early on to choke Nick, and when they were on the outside, Fuego Del Sol was there, so Nick Comrade just grabbed him and chucked him into the audience. But then there was more fracas because Aaron Solo was out, and the long and the short of it is that somehow Nick Comrade got busted open. Rhodes kept using his experience to keep the rookie down, but Nick Comrade was such a big guy, he was able to grab Dustin Rhodes and powerbomb him through a table. Annoyingly for him, Dustin kicked out. So then Aaron Solo was trying to get involved again. And I will say this, given that it was the same guy, this was just one time too many. Thankfully, Colton Gunn finally ran out to stop Aaron being such an idiot. But then back in the ring, Rhodes hit the final reckoning onto the bull rope and Comorato kicked out at one. And at that point, I was like, well, it doesn't matter what we do now because the commentators sold that like somebody had just won the lottery. I can't believe it. I mean, nobody kicks out of that move at one. It also meant that Rhodes just booted him in the penis. And look, he has done that before. He used to love doing it as Goldust. And the idea, once again, was to show that Comorato just wouldn't stay down which is why Dustin Rhodes got the bull rope and tonked him on the head. That'll do it. It also allowed Rhodes to hit the diving bulldog onto this makeshift weapon, and then he was able to get the one, two, three. But once more, I want to make it very clear in case you're not going to watch Dynamite. This was Nick Comoroto's best showing ever. And just like that, I'm more interested to see what the Flubby's going to do. Which brought us to the end of AEW Dynamite. And I'll be the first guy to say it wasn't really a filler episode, because that's not fair. The effort here was tremendous. But it did feel like we just needed to get to next week and maybe the week after that before we start planting seeds to something else. But it's still entertaining. It still did its job. Also, it is on Friday nights at the moment. So AEW bigwigs know they're not going to get a bigger rating. So overall, it's getting it up. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.